Every business is unique. But the ups and downs we experience as we launch and run our businesses are pretty similar. We're Harmon Brothers, the team behind Pooping Unicorns and other weird but successful video ads you've probably seen. We help businesses grow through unforgettable video marketing, and we're no stranger to tricky situations. In fact, we embrace them. The goal of this podcast is to show how your crappy circumstances could be the golden opportunity that leads to your next success. You're listening to Poop to Gold. Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm Benton Crane, your co-host and the CEO of Harmon Brothers. Today I have two very special guests on the show with me, and I'm excited to introduce them to you. But before I do, I've got to say, these are two of the people who are making Harmon Brothers work the way Harmon Brothers works and making us drive a ton of success for our clients. We're often known for the video work that we do, but what people don't understand behind the scenes is that there's a lot of marketing strategy going on that makes all the various pieces come together. So if you think about it, a successful marketing campaign has so many moving pieces from email marketing to social media strategy to the analytics behind the scenes and the list goes on. There's a bunch of components that come together. So you have to have a really great strategic mind that's bringing all of those pieces together. Sometimes we refer to it as the orchestra conductor who, are, who is making all the different pieces of the orchestra work together. At Harmon Brothers, that happens in our Harmon Brothers consulting practice. And that practice is led by two gentlemen. They're here with me today. We've got Chris Stroud. He is the chief strategic officer of Harmon Brothers Consulting. And we have Theron Harmon who is the president of Harmon Brothers Consulting. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Thanks. Ben. Appreciate it. Harmon Brothers Consulting has kind of been a work in progress that has been developing now for several years, but the way that it exists today is actually fairly new, right? Yeah. Kind of talk us, talk us through how all this came together. We came across each other from a consulting perspective uh, many times. For those of you who don't know, I've spent about 11 years in the consulting environment from a marketing perspective. And Benton and I met a few times at different client meetings uh, that we were both collaborating on or working on. And in the course of that, we had an opportunity to sit down and compare notes and realized that uh, there was a lot that we could do to collaborate. So. We began to work with each other initially, and then as time went on, we had a chance to, you know, begin to work on a few clients. We began to really kind of see the opportunity that existed in the market, which is there's so much waste in terms of marketing and so much loss in terms of marketing performance due to both the lack of content as well as the framework needed in order to support that content. So I think the genesis of, of how we've arrived here came around to this vision of being able to not only produce phenomenal content that can change a company's position within the market, but then simultaneously support it and give it the architecture to make it a profitable investment, to make it something that just doesn't pay itself off, but rather defines the future of the business. And so for the past now two, three years, We've continued to refine the organization such that we have nearly uh, 10 plus different consultants within the organization and are impacting large majority of all of our clients in the seven figure range. And we're not done and uh, are excited for where we can take it for sure. Yeah, I remember in those early days, as we were kind of comparing notes, we're seeing, holy smokes, so Chris is over here doing this consulting stuff and he's driving massive results for his clients. Right. And we're over here doing our video work and we're driving massive results for our clients. Imagine if those two skill sets came together, how powerful that would be for our clients. 
And so that's where the experimentation kind of started, and it's been so cool to see what that can do for, uh, you know, for our clients' businesses and see the growth that it drives. It required a little bit of humility on our part as well uh, at Harmon Brothers, because if you think about like Poopery or even going before that when Jeffrey and Neil and Dane were working on the Aura Brush brand, even pre-Harmon Brothers agency, and then you know, poopery, squatty putty, purple, chat books, all in just quick succession. And, you know, our name started to get out there, our profile. Each one was, was a super was, success. Yeah, it was a super success. And, and so you think you understand digital marketing really well, but you don't know what you don't know, just like our clients don't know what they don't know, mm -hmm. right? And so you meet someone like Chris who, who really does kind of this big picture you know, strategic approach or a, a deep bench of people that he can tap into in every single area of the marketing stack. And you go, you know, we, we did really well in our lane and, and we continue to do really well, but there's just so much to learn. And I love that about marketing because marketing is one of those professions where it's a lot like medicine a little bit. You can read all day, every day, and you can, you know, come across a problem you've never seen before and professionally try to approach that. And so it's really a practice. Right. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Exactly, exactly. Well, and I think it highlights an oversight that just generally exists in all business. So prior to like Google, basically, you know, into the mid 90s, you know, you had these large marketing agencies and they would design these full on campaigns that would go across print and television mm -hmm. and radio and they were focused on delivering a message. So then Google comes along and paid search is created and all of a sudden everyone begins to think that marketing equates to cost per click and almost everything focuses on that. You now talk to someone today and say, how's your marketing? And they say, great, I have a phenomenal ad buyer. It's like, <laughs> that's not marketing, right? And so when you look at what Harmon Brothers was doing pre-consulting, it was phenomenal. These were campaigns and videos that were defining the company's position within the market. But the rest of the brand was still operating on a you know, button pusher sort of marketing environment. They're out there trying to buy the easiest, cheapest, last click attribution conversion, and that's broken. So mm -hmm. it's not that we're coming in from yeah. a consulting perspective and saying, oh look, we can buy better, or look, we can email better. In fact. It's quite the opposite. We don't do any of the work. What we're doing is we're saying, look, we look at billions of dollars in e-commerce, billions, and we're looking at the trends across all of that, and we're helping you to, one, change your position in the marketplace, and for those of you who don't know, your position with them in the market is dictated by your consumer's perception of your brand. So even if you sell you know, food, if they think you're selling tech, that's their interpretation of the value, and so, in essence, we're helping companies define where their position should be in the market, move to that particular place, and then build a system that in essence can capture that business. And we're doing it at a high level, allowing them to function as a business. And then when they take advantage of the Harmon Brothers video, you're not seeing like a small explosion in success, you're seeing a healthy ecosystem that can be grown upon. The value of a Harmon Brothers video in that environment will pay itself back for three to five years versus a three month you know, spurt in business. Shot in the arm. Yeah, right, exactly. Right, right. So what I love about this is we're changing the game. Like it literally is 
getting back to the roots of what marketing is, which is positioning yourself within the market and allowing the consumer to see you in the way you intended. Right. I love it. And testing what's resonant, right? Yeah. Testing what, what really resonates. Given that this is the Poop to Gold podcast, we're going to be diving into each of your Poop to Gold journeys so that our listeners can get to know you on a personal level. But before we do, I want you guys to help paint a little clearer picture so that our listeners understand Okay, this is what Harmon Brothers Consulting could look like for my business. So really, this, this market positioning question, uh, you know, we often refer to that as a market acceptance phase or a market acceptance uh, testing environment, if you will. Typically, and now, now we've done, you know, fully bespoke kinds of custom project-based contracts. We've done things where we're really inserting ourselves deeply into a marketing department, but that's the exception. That's not the rule. That's not, that's not really the first area that we go. What we do is we move through a process of testing really in three buckets. First, you have your messaging, a, a truths document. We call it a messaging constitution. That gets built, and from that, we do a deep value props test. and and. Quite frankly, we've had conversations with you know folks who have been marketing on Facebook for a decade or more, and they look at our process and they're like, "Oh my gosh, that's the most thorough thing I've ever seen." You know that type of a thing. And so we 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 build value props from that and a deep kind of market acceptance test. Then we move into imagery, the characteristics of your images. Sometimes we call it image architecture. And then we'll discuss um, or not discuss, but really probe. Uh, the voice and the tonality around the brand. And so those three buckets um, are, are the messaging area. And then there's the sort of the mechanics. Uh, you know, is, is the pixel properly set up? Is the attribution working the way it should? Or is the email sequencing really kind of a, a best practices for your industry? And so in the first three to four months of an engagement, we get in there and we tackle that all head on. Three out of four, four out of five clients, that's the right mix. You'll see real growth and it's something we can start to build on. When we begin working with a company, the first thing we do, and again, you'll notice this is a big change in the market, right? Is we're gonna do a, a full, basically audit of the business and its ecosystem. Mm -hmm. It's a little painful, like I'll be honest, people see the forms that we send over and the access requests and they're like, whoa, this is a lot of information. But, you know, at its very core, we believe that the first step is understanding. So we're going to understand you. We're going to understand your business. We're going to understand your goals, your model. We're going to understand where you're succeeding and where you're failing. At that point, we're going to approach you and say, we can help you or we can't. And if we can, here's how we can. Uh, and what Theron was touching on was one of the most common tactics that we typically utilize is that we'll notice the company is poorly performing because they are misaligned in their market position. And so that first engagement is us helping them realign their market position through what we call this MAT test, which means market acceptance test. And we're going through and doing different stages of testing. So when we first begin to work with these businesses, it's very simple. There's an audit, an understanding, a presentation of where the value could be had, and the client's able to make a choice as to whether or not they want to jump in uh, or not. It's not a trust us and we'll help you grow. It's a, look, this is what the math says. Are you in? Do you want to fix it? For us, our expertise is not in product development. Don't get me wrong. We have many people on our staff that would love to sink their teeth into the development of a product. And we've done it. 
And I mean, we can speak to it, we can advise on it, but it's not our exactly. It's not our sweet spot. Yeah. It's not where we're world class. Exactly, mm -hmm. we're world class in taking a company that has already established a product, even if it's a rough product, even if it's not perfect, and have established manufacturing for said product even on a small level, and are now at a place where they want to begin to grow. So that's the bottom level of where our clients begin. And the top level goes as high as companies that are doing half a billion a year or 150 million. Now, what's the distinct difference? Uh, surprisingly, many of the things they need to do are very same or similar. Their market position is misaligned, hence we have to go through and help correct that. The way in which they're performing their ad buying, the actual mousetrap or systems they're using are misaligned. So what we do is we'll typically see our clients in three core groups. Those that are nascent and need to prove both market adoption as well as their ability to ramp in their funding. And that's typically companies between zero to as much as 15 to 20 million a year. Then you'll come into companies where they've achieved a form of success, but they're lacking sufficient profitability to ramp. And to achieve that profitability, they need to improve their ecosystem, the actual numbers, their performance, et cetera. And we'll typically see those businesses between 20 to $50 million. Then for those that are 50 million uh, and up, what we're typically finding is it's a combination of profitability issues or they're in fact opening up new markets that they've never opened up before. For example, we have a client who we won't mention is, you know, they do $180 million a year and they spend 99% of all of their advertising in print. They've never even branched into social. So even though they're a $180 million company, they don't know how to play the digital game and hence we're able to help them along that process. It's a massive market expansion. Exactly. And one of the things that makes us unique is we're not an agency that calls ourselves a consultant, right? It's not like, oh, look, I'm going to come in and call myself a consultant and buy for you. It's we're here to advise. So some of the people we advise are marketers, low-level marketers. Some of the people we advise are CMOs. Mm -hmm. Others are owners. Other, others are board members. We will never seek to replace them. We want to inherently make them better and, in essence, help them to feel almost autonomous in their ability to succeed. In the perfect escalation of a business that we've worked with, uh, we almost become, as it were, a board member over the course of four or five years. Our longest tenured client today is almost six years. Six years, like that's amazing in the consulting world. To the question of how much growth we see, typically we'll see the growth uh, exceed past six figures within a 90 to 120 day window um, after we've had a chance to crack the code. Meaning, if they were at zero, they're now up and over $100,000 a month. If they were at half a million a month, they're now up and over $600,000, $700,000 a month and, and up. In terms of growth on a yearly basis, averages are in the seven figures and, and in essence higher. So we've had companies that have gone from zero to 20 million in nine months. We've had groups that have gone from zero to $600,000 a month in you know the first six months, right? So it'll typically grow, but if you were to say, Nine times out of 10, uh, once that code's cracked, we're gonna be up and over a six-figure growth average over whatever they were doing previously. One of the things that I love about what you guys are doing in our consulting practice is that we see roughly around 100 potential clients per month. And very few of those are actually ready for a, you know, for a full Harmon Brothers campaign, the, the big hero campaigns that we're known for, like you see with Purple and Chatbooks and Lumi and all the others. Probably, I don't know what the number is, but probably seven out of 10 of those, if they have the right guidance 
around their marketing strategy, there's so much that they could do to get ready for that big hero campaign, the big hyper growth that everyone wants. Yeah, sure. And as a consultancy, you guys are able to jump in and say, no problem, let us help you. Let us give you the marketing strategy that you need to get there. Now, it's nice. Most of the time, as we're working with people, they know where they're struggling or they know that they want to improve in these areas. And uh, it, they're super talented, super intelligent, and it's either a bandwidth issue or it's simply a, I'm not really quite sure how to address the problem. And yeah, where so, do I start, right? Yeah. A lot of people are kind of and, like, where do I start? I definitely don't want to claim that, hey, we're successful for their growth. One of the things that I learned years ago as I was getting into this consulting environment was it's as much about the team you're working with as it is the information you're giving. So if anything, I would put almost all the success on the client's plate of saying, you killed it. You did a great job. But if we can act as a form of navigation, right, helping them to chart some of that development, facilitating it with the right contacts and learnings, then we've accomplished our goal, which has allowed us to help them succeed. And that's one of the reasons that we've, we work the way that we do. Like yeah. our clients can cancel at any time with 30 days notice, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not some weird long contract. So those companies that are staying with us for four or five years, one to two years, we have clients that are coming back to us a third and a fourth time, literally three to four times in a five-year period. It's like they have the ability to engage, get the information they want. Get the guidance. Get the guidance, see some growth. And then some situations are like, hey, we're out of inventory. Hey, let us retool. Hey, we've just hired someone. He wants a crack at it. That's okay. Like, that's okay. We'll be here for you when you're ready to come back. This is fun stuff, guys. Let's let's dive into your backstories. Let's go to let's go on that poop to gold journey. Why don't we start with you, Theron? Take us to that point in your career where uh, where things got pretty bleak there for a bit. Yeah, this is going to be a yeah, this is going to be a bit transparent, I suppose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I've, my name's Theron Harmon, so I am actually one of the Harmon brothers, but I'm uh, and I'm the oldest brother. There's nine children in the family. And six, six yes. sons. Six brothers. Six brothers. Four of which are involved here at Harmon Brothers. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because I was a bit of a, a Johnny-come-lately to doing business with my brothers. I mean, I had done some things with them, little ideas that we tried to, to get off the ground, which didn't, uh, which didn't get off the ground. But I had kind of gone my own path. I had started a small business while I was in college. Um, did pretty well with it, actually. And I, and I really never kind of pushed up into the... I, I was too inexperienced. I didn't know what I did, didn't know. I didn't really know how to build a team. I got a little bored with it. I mean, we hit almost a million dollars in sales. And so that was some early success in my 20s. Um, but I don't know, I think it probably came a little too easy. And I hadn't really dived into other areas of, the, of, of work, you know, of a professional life prior to that. So I, didn't, I, I wasn't as experienced as I probably thought I was. Um, after that, I spent a stint uh, working on the business side of a, of a law firm. I, was, I had been interested in school, in the law, and kind of wanted, I already had kids and a family, and I was like, oh, if I'm going to go back to law school now that I've gotten bored with this, you know, this entrepreneurship small business thing. That's what everyone does who gets bored. They're like, I want to read contracts for a living. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sign I'm, me up. I'm a little weird. <laughs> but in any case, so I went and worked at this law firm. It was a small law firm, but successful. It was a, it was a, a good one. And I ran the business side of it and did what you would classify as paralegal work. I wasn't a trained paralegal, but you kind of you kind of get into that that mode um, at a small firm. 
and um, did that actually for about eight years. And so now, you know, I'm in my mid thirties at that point and, and we're living in Oregon and I realized I don't want to go back to law school. And we had a, the way that we kind of wound down the law firm experience was, it was a little messy. We lost someone who took, who took a bunch of the case value with them and there was a split and a breakup. We were trying to decide whether to, to, to rebuild it um, with the, with the owner. And, and, you know, he and I both kind of just decided, no, that's not what I wanted to do. And he was getting close to retirement and involved with politics. And so we decided to just wind it down. But it was, it was economically a, a reversal for us and our family. And so, you know, we, we, it, this was during the, the housing bubble and our house went underwater and, and you know, just, just all kinds of... Meaning right after the collapse of the housing bubble. Correct, okay. correct. It was already a fixer on, on, as fixers go, it was on the higher end. It was on property and those kinds of things. And, and so, and I couldn't really laterally move professionally within that city um, in Oregon. And so um, there was a, there was some real setbacks, um, you know, uh, it, it's hard stuff. You know, we had to short sell that house. I came back to this small business that I had created clear in my 20s. It was still functional, but kind of on life support. And, and my partner in that business didn't want really much to do with it. <laughs> she wanted to move on. And, um, and so I tried to resuscitate it, but we had been outpaced by other online competitors. And it was a struggle. I mean, I was doing side work. My wife was doing side work. I mean, I was literally, you know, I was like, doing construction projects for my brothers, you know, breaking concrete in their basement, just to put a little bit of food on the table and to not slide backwards, right? And so this was in... So that, so this is like, you're in your mid-30s, so this is kind of, your expectations are my career should yeah, be taking 30s, off right now. Late 30s by that point, yeah. And instead you're kind of starting from scratch. It's totally starting over. So, so yeah, financial reversal, the credit, my credit got hit. Um, you know, I'd had a good run, but we, we had six kids at that point and and okay let's stick there yeah. for a second so six kids you're starting over what are the emotions that you're feeling inside like as a dad as a provider as an entrepreneur what are you feeling my wife was teaching she was cleaning houses to for extra money um i was you know swinging a hammer in jeffrey's basement <laughs> Who's the fifth brother down, right? I'm helping him remodel his basement, whatever it was, you know, 15, 17 bucks an hour, whatever it was, just to try to to make it all happen. And um, while well, I'm figuring out what to do, and the emotions, um, you know, a lot, a lot of emotional ups and downs, no question about it. A lot of like, wow, we've, you know, there was a lot of dark moments, if you will, right? But when you got a family that sticks together, um, and, and siblings and, and, uh, uh, a, uh, you know, my wife and just really pulled together. It, it, it really, to say that that was like a really dark period of my life, I think would be a bit of a, that, that's really not fair. It was actually, yeah, it wasn't fun. Yeah, there were dark moments, but it was, it was a, it was a time of tremendous growth and, and there was quite a bit of joy and happiness even during that period. There was there was a sense of we can do this, we can make it. You know, I mean, we were we were renting in in, a, in an old home, 
Um, and, my, and I was starting to help my brothers on some things that got involved with a Kickstarter that I conceptualized and, and a film there. And because of that project and a video that my brothers pulled me in to, to, to help out on, that it wasn't even a conversion video, but their, their, their sort of Harmon brothers as a, as a team was starting to really get some attention. And they got a big project and I got involved and I, you know, I gave it 60 hours a week um, on, on a big sprint to help producing something and did, did a pretty good job, I think. And, and they noticed, you know, my younger brothers were like, you know, you're not just a good example as an older brother, but you actually, <laughs> you actually have a few skills too, you know, that kind of a thing. And, and so anyway, um, so then I got pulled in and, and Benton was already, you know, um, uh, he's, he's, he's a cousin. Um, and and he we, we all came together essentially and and um, this was about the time that we were starting to work with purple and so I got heavily involved in that project and so that's the poop but but even in the poop you know I, I mean by by way of analogy I worked on a pig farm as a teenager right <laughs> you know I, I mean I, I I worked in agriculture and 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 got up at four in the morning and and you know, did ir moved irrigation pipes, and so all that all that pig farming was preparation that, for squatty potty. Yeah, all that. Well, all, well, exactly, exactly. Well, th thank you for going there. I think one of the common themes that we see over and over again on this podcast is that people who go through this crap, almost across the board, they'll look back and they'll say, "I wouldn't change a thing," because those are the experiences that make us who we are, and they're they're the experiences that shape us. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Chris, your turn. Let's go there. Let's go there. So for me, it's interesting. I, uh, you know, I'm LDS. I, you know, I served an LDS mission when I got back from Brazil. My dad uh, said, come work for me for eight bucks and 50 cents an hour, and you'll get to know a little bit about business. And I wanted to go actually, of all things, cut cement for like 25 bucks an hour. And I was like, what the heck? I don't want to get into some sales gig. Like, this is ridiculous, you know? But I got in, I was going to college full time. They gave me about $30,000 a year in accounts and said, hey, just don't screw it up. And I was in this office all by myself, just looking at this spreadsheet. They handed me a phone and a stack of papers and said, yeah, just you know, do whatever you're gonna do. I was like, okay. And so I ended up actually growing those accounts to about 650,000 a year wow. while going to school full time. And I was like, hey, this is kind of fun. And it was like, it was like literally like the engine just started to make sense. I could see levers that needed to be pulled. And so I was like, I'm going to go try this again. So I went to a few other companies while I was going to school and had the same result multiple times. And I'm like, wow, this is exciting. I graduated and uh, my wife and I relocated near her parents into Denver. And it's the first time I got hired into the online space. And uh, I sat down with them and, you know, they were like, okay, here's... 330,000 a year in profits in accounts, don't screw it up. It's been managed by the, the five people that are sitting on the VP board for the past five years. There's really not much more there. So just don't screw it up and go sell an extra like 20 grand a month in accounts. And I was like, all right, like I'll get in and do it. And, and so I got in and realized they were missing the ball like entirely. And we ended up growing uh, that division that had basically been flat for you know five years or whatever to up and over 2.8 million in profit from the 300,000 over 18 months and I was I was hooked I loved growing businesses so about that time I was only 
26 or 25, something like that, um, I got a little chip on my shoulder and was frustrated that I got passed over for a promotion. And so I decided I was going to go and get another gig. And so I get this other gig. It's a little ambitious. I show up on the first day of work, three days after I've quit, to find out that the owner had passed out on some stairs, fallen down the stairs, Ugh. and had a severe concussion and was not going to be allowed to work for two years. And uh -huh. basically, they shut the whole business down. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I ended up getting a job in Salt Lake, even though we were so, in Denver. So you had just left a good job because of the chip on your shoulder. Yep. Jumped to greener pastures. Yep. And then the rug was pulled out from underneath yep. you. Yep. And uh, of course, I, you know, the, you know, my prayers were, of course, out to the, to the owner who had had the injury. Right. I wasn't obviously nearly as afflicted as he was, but I but was it still out of sucks. Work. <laughs> I was out of work. You know, and I was like, what? what have I done, you know? and What have I thrown away? And what have I thrown away? Yeah, I mean, I yeah. doubled my income in less than a year in a company that said they'd never give me a boost, you know, uh, over what I was at. And so, you know, I felt foolish and, and I got hired by a company out of Salt Lake and I did wonders in growing them and there was a political infighting amongst the owners and I became the catalyst. I ended up getting canned in that situation and so we were basically near broke and my wife looked at me and was like, you know what, nothing can be worse than the past nine months. Let's just start our own business. Mm. And so we bought two $250 laptops and I worked out Those of- Those are probably really high speed. Yeah, mega high speed, right? <laughs> I think two gig of RAM. <laughs> and uh, you know, I worked from a bed desk for six months and we didn't have enough money to pay our bills and run the business. So the first few clients that came to me, I was like, you got to pay the first three months up front. And they were like, okay. And that's how we started consulting. And at the end of the day, the reason I started it was to help businesses. And so for the first like five years, it was like wading through muck. How do I help these companies grow and experience that joy without getting pigeonholed in every single company that I'm working on? And uh, about five years in, it, it finally just started to make sense. And we cracked the code on the relationship. And how to work with our clients and you know how to empower them without getting in the way and the rules of engagement as mm -hmm. it were and our success ratios just you know you know went leaps and bounds above anything i could have ever anticipated and and um we haven't looked back and i'd say that my gold standard was you know in the past two and a half years as you guys know but for everyone listening my wife and i decided about two and a half years ago we were going to finally work from anywhere. We could work from anywhere. We might as well do that. So we took my wife and I and our five kids and we traveled the world and hit 30 countries. And, you know, there were moments where, you know, I'd, I'd be on late night calls and then the next morning I'd be meeting elephants in the middle of Thailand. And, you know, I'd be taking star photography on the beaches of New Zealand. And, you know, I look back to those moments of getting canned or those moments of losing my job and it, it stank. But, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that I get a chance to help people grow. There's nothing more fun than seeing that. In fact, one of my one of my clients about five years ago just announced they were going to go public this week. And uh, yeah, this week. Yeah, I know. And uh, it Big it deal. just brings me so much satisfaction to see that it never gets old, and it's fun. Anyways, I've read. This has been awesome, guys. I appreciate both of you coming on the show, Chris and and Theron. Um, I hope our listeners have really enjoyed getting to know you guys. Thank you. Why don't we wrap up with one rapid fire question? 
Uh, for our listeners who are currently going through their own poop moment, Ew. what is the one quick piece of advice that you would each offer? When necessary, don't be above any type of work that it takes to just show that you're moving forward. So if, you, if you've been out of work for a while and you got to keep it off of your resume, don't sit around waiting for the next job. If you jump in and just do something or go help someone, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're working on SPAC for somebody who's trying to get a business off the ground, I think lack of forward motion is probably the biggest danger to success as an entrepreneur. Yep. Don't, do, don't be too fancy for your own good. Mm -hmm. you're, you're mm -hmm. not above any work. Yep. And, and all work is honorable. Yep. It, it really, all honest work. All, all honest work is honorable. I'd say um, that phrase that many have already heard, slow is steady and steady is fast, right? Like learn to be consistent and consistently moving forward. Uh, in many ways, less is more. Learning to say no is super valuable. But by simply being slow, you know, slow in what you're doing, but consistent and being steady, you will end up outpacing everyone else. Too many marketers and companies, for that matter, expect like world-renowned results in like 90 days. This is not a sprint; it's a marathon. Nobody wins a championship overnight. Like, run the marathon, run it at a good, steady pace, mm -hmm. and you'll end up in front. And uh, that's that's what I'd say. Yeah, Daniel here at Harmon Brothers often tells people, "You won't rise to your goals; you'll fall to your systems." And, <laughs> and it's this idea that like when you have a system in place where this is what I do, slow and steady, but steady is fast. And, and those companies that are so glamorized in the media because they, they look like rocket ships from, first of all, that story is rarely what it seems, meaning that that is a media yarn, right? The um, overnight success the overnight actually success, took years. Exactly. <laughs> so, now, there are some exceptions. There are companies that take off and go into, you know, you know, eight-figure revenues and nine-figure valuations literally in a, in a matter of, you know, months or a few years. That does happen. But there's a reason they get written about, right? There's 20-plus million businesses in, like, the United States alone, and those handful get written about. Everyone else who is succeeding, which is 99.9% .9 of the rest of successful entrepreneurs, these are the principles that apply. All right, once again, that was Chris Stroud and Theron Harmon. Uh, Theron is the president of Harmon Brothers Consulting, and Chris is the chief strategy officer of Harmon Brothers Consulting. So for our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. We'll see you on the next one. At Harmon Brothers, we're known for what we call our hero campaigns. These are big nationwide campaigns for brands like Squatty Potty, Poopery, Purple Mattresses, Lumi Deodorant, and many others. What makes these campaigns special is that they've helped scale those businesses by tens of millions of dollars each. Now, companies reach out to us on a regular basis wanting a hero campaign. They want that type of growth, they want that type of branding, and they want that type of awareness. But the simple reality is, most businesses and entrepreneurs aren't yet quite ready for that level of growth. So we've built what we call a hero incubator that is designed to help entrepreneurs and companies prepare for a hero campaign and to be ready for the type of growth that they're looking for. The hero incubator starts with a marketing audit. We offer these marketing audits for free and you can apply for one at harmanbrothers.com forward slash audit.